Thank you, Peter. I think that's the first time I've ever been called the Pope or compared, and I certainly hope it bothers my wife. Because thanks for everything, Janine. Uh, it's been a good life, but I got to go to Rome. Hey, if you heard the Pope, he, it was so great to hear him quote scriptures and point to the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Great to be with you. I love Peter and what his heart is for this church and, and for pastoring, and I'm glad that he's here. I'm glad you're here. Also see a number of people who owe me money from the past. <laughs> so at the close of the service, if you'll just come. My privilege, as requested, to continue our series here at Lakeside in Ephesians. So if you have a Bible, uh, join me, and if not, listen. It's the greatest passage Paul ever wrote, along with a number of other areas. <laughs> he, wrote, he writes so much of grace. And uh, Peter, I was here not only for Love Akron on Tuesday, I hope some of you are coming, but uh, I ran a marathon yesterday disguised as a Kenyan, and I won. I don't know if even a Kenyan won, but they always do. We used to, we had a, a race on Labor Day at the chapel, and I always trash talk just for fun. It keeps me awake. And Anyway, I went over to the Kenyan who won every year. He was from Youngstown. He was a fabulous runner. And I, I smiled and, and just wanted to welcome him and then just to have some fun. And I said, I, and I am going to win this year. He did not smile. He just looked at me and said, no, I will win. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. It's Paul at his finest. Maybe Romans 3, 4, 5 are. Wherever you are related to Jesus Christ, our Lord... You've got to hear these words. It, it just destroys ego and builds up the work of Jesus Christ. It just, it just kills us for our religious stuff and points us to a person. So it's Paul writing. Uh, he's, 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 he needs no editor. He's been guided by God's Spirit and, and clearly going to help us. I would like to read verses 1 to 3, which are the first point. And if you have your outline, uh, try to say it in a sentence. And this first point needs heard by every Christian and every seeker and everybody like me. And. You and. That's a link to chapter one. And. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. Huh? the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Any questions? Whoa. There's Paul describing how it used to be. And the reason he does this is chapter 1. 
As you looked in the last two weeks or three weeks, but in chapter 1, he talks about in verse 6, to the praise of his glory, the purpose of his will. And three times he repeats that what God does is to the praise of his glory. Nobody can say, is this cool? Is this cool what I have done? I have served to the praise of his glory. He said in verse 7 of chapter 1, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. At the end of verse 14, he says, To the praise of his glory. At the end of 12, to the praise of his glory. In fact, the whole thing is this high view of what it means to be a Christian. It is not. I raised my hand when I was four. Or I went to Billy Graham when I was 12 or 29 or 39. No, it's it's a huge issue of what God does in a human life. And so chapter 1 ends up with saying, and someday at the very end of time, he's going to bring everything, everything, including Iran and U.S. and you and me, under his dominion. Don't let it be too late. So that's chapter 1, a high view of the church as he begins to explain. But in chapter 2, he says, this is how this happened. And he starts off by saying, we, all of us, and he's writing to Christians, of course, we're spiritually dead. That's our condition. And it means we're unresponsive to God. You don't argue with a terrorist. They don't understand logic. They're on a different mission. You don't argue people into the kingdom of God. We were dead. It's like your hand's down here and it falls asleep. And you touch it and you don't even feel There's no response. Dead means spiritually dead. Unallied with God. So don't argue with your cousin or your mom or your dad. Just do what he's saying here and explain some things, but we're dead without God's help. That's the point. Now, if your only hope is human beings or the 16 or 20 candidates, I think a few have dropped out. I think there's only 18 on the Republican side, and I think I don't know how many on the other side, and I'm not here to take sides, but I'm for Trump because he's so kind. We were spiritually dead, and there's no hope in human beings. We need to know that, uh, because it's so easy. Uh, We all grew up, uh, most of us grew up, 84% of Americans in church, many dropped out, but it's so easy to think, uh, oh, and every Sunday. Not church when we were little, maybe they did it here, I'm not critical of it, I just don't want to do it, but we had a guy that wore a perfect attendance pin here, and he... It went so far down, he, he walked like this. But it, <laughs> The issue here is we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Dead means minus God's spirit, no connection. Dead means you're spiritual, you're still made in the image of God, but you can't rise. You will never climb, climb up Sunshine Mountain. You're on your own. We were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. You were dead, he says. He's writing to Christians. And then he says, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan. Now, in the Bible, you have this dramatic story of Satan 
tempting Adam and Eve and getting them to sin and turn away from God. And the moment they did, they died. They didn't die physically, kids. They didn't fall over, blop, dead. No, but they were separated from God. They were spiritually unresponsive to God. They hid. They were scared. That's a lot of your friends. I don't want to talk about it. I don't talk about religion or politics, they'll say. Let's talk politics. They won't talk about Christ. It's a hard thing for someone who's dead. Following the prince of the power of the air, it doesn't mean they sit there and say, now what do you want me to do, Satan? They just live that way. And that way, well, he talks about it here. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Our cravings were mine, first four-letter word. Anybody ever said mine, I'll do my own thing. And then they get into other four-letter words like self. And you can live your whole life. It's not like they're physical terrorists or people who bomb buildings and the horrors of what some people do. It's just a selfish life. You can be a star quarterback and be dead spiritually. You can run for office. You can win the marathon. You can be very active in a church. You can, you can be a very nice person. But the cravings of the flesh are still selfish. We're all that way without a connection. So Paul doesn't want these Ephesians who really need this because they look around and there's the temple of Diane and there's all kinds of immorality and there's all the junk that there is today. And so he's explaining that and he says, you know, we were dead. You were too. So don't, don't feel like you've come a long way on your own. It's a great reminder of where we all are without God. And some people don't know it, and they will once they try to fly away. I was was turned on a a radio station that I like in Chicago once when I was driving in the morning on a Saturday, and I heard a guy who was a comedian in L.A. being interviewed. And uh, uh, Scott Simon said to him, well, you have fun up front, and you're so funny. He said, what do you do for fun personally? And the guy said, oh, I do a number of things. You'll probably think they're crazy. He said, I often go in a drugstore and go to the greeting card section and write in a card and sign it and then watch people pull it out and look at it. (laughs) Okay, maybe some of you do that. Get a life. It would be fun, I, I guess. And then he said, in this afternoon, I'm going to go up in my plane. He said, I skywrite. And he said, well, what are you going to write? And the guy was serious, and he said, well, here's one I like, and I'll do it this afternoon. He said, I write in the sky, how do you land this? (laughs) A lot of people are doing fine in life. But if you ask them how they're going to land their airplane or their life or how they're going to finish, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to think about it. Even if you don't feel dead without God, you're dead. And when you stand in front of God, you must be perfect. And he's going to go on to describe how perfect is a gift. Perfect is a gift. 
but we're dead without God's help. And that's verses one through three, our cravings. I said, first four-letter word, all you teenagers, self, kind, uh, I mean, mine, our own ways. We all did it. I had an older brother who especially was bad, and he taught me to say mine. I wanted to share. When I, when I was in high school, we went to a, con, to a radio station once. I was... Uh, I had been honored by the students, a student body president, and Dave was the guy there. I'm making up a name. Dave was the guy there that nobody liked. He was not very good socially. He he was going to sing a solo on the radio, and he forgot his recording. I said, well, I can play the piano. So he had this music with him, and I was going to play it with him. And I told the other two with me, I'm going to change keys in the middle because none of us like Dave, changed keys on live radio and, and mess up his song. And what he was going to sing is, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And I'm going to mess it up with that kind of meanness. The world does need love. I need love. I didn't do it. I knew someday I would be the Pope, and I thought I can... <laughs> No, I didn't, but I thought it, and the other kids liked the idea. I'm just saying, in all of our hearts are these light sinful cravings or the horrible sinful cravings that get you in prison, and they're yours and mine. So that's Paul setting the table for what he wants us to believe about Jesus Christ in our hearts, which means our spirits, which means the internal you, the one you really are all the time. And he's saying here that we are all being attacked, and it may be nice stuff, like pride, it may just be bitterness toward God because of what happened. Where are you? Do you ever admit when you pray, Lord, I'm nothing without you? And when you look at the headlines, do you realize that we could all be there? There go I. But for the grace of God is an old saying. And then he helps us see that this is also changed. But the great words of theology, but God, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Let me stop there. But God. Here's the horrible theology. Here's the picture of wars in the Middle East. Here's the picture of what goes on in a little kid's mind or a teenager's mind or the lust of the flesh or the pride of life or all kinds of pride, anger, and lust. He says, but God. You were dead. There's no way in the world you could change your life. That's what he's saying. But God. And he tells why. God being rich in mercy. Some of you are mothers. Maybe the highest privilege in the world. You know what love is more than anybody in the world. Father too, but almost by creation, even in adoption, you know what love is. You cry, you give, you do everything in the world. God, rich in love and mercy. 
Because of what he did and why he made us, he wants to be tied with us. Whoa. God, who is rich in mercy, something like Niagara Falls, it never runs out. But God, who loves you so much and who gives to you day after day, his mercies are new every morning. But God, who is rich in mercy, it says, because of the great love with which he loved us. I did hear a couple of the speeches of the Pope. Stuttering a little because English isn't his first, but he worked hard and he quoted scripture and he talked, especially when he talked about saving lives and respect for all human life, he talked about God's creation that he loves. Yes. Jesus tried to get this through my head when he said he knows the hairs on your head, he knows when a sparrow falls. I don't know what all that means. I don't think he's keeping track. It's just like he's everywhere. He knows everything. He is God. When we look at the heavens and see what he's made, we should just say, I don't understand that. I don't understand how he knows me. I don't understand how he loves me and calls me by name. But I don't understand gravity either. Or that they know when the sun's going to rise tomorrow morning or set this evening and they set a time and they publish it in the paper. And the reason is God has systems and he's magnificent. God who is rich in mercy with his great love wherewith he loved us. That's his love for us. And you don't have to be able to feel it or explain it. It's true. That's what he's saying. And Paul wants us to get it. In his work here in verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we couldn't respond, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Quickened is a good word, gold English word, quickened. It means there's nothing there in you and he puts it in you. Now, theologians love to argue, does that happen first and then you believe, or do you believe and then that happens? Stop arguing that. Um, You're not going to get anywhere trying to figure out God. What we know is that he makes us alive. And what we know, and he's going to say this in a minute, is don't you dare take credit for it. Paul's saying that. God loves us, but he does want us to understand this is not a deal where you could go back there right now to every four-year-old or six-year-old and talk about hell and say, now how many of you would like to go to heaven? Yep, I'd, I'd raise my hand first, so would you. The issue is somewhere we do need to understand what this means, that he quickens us. Quicken. Kids, it means he... It's dead. It means Jesus walks in and the woman's dead. And he says, stand up. And she comes alive. It means Lazarus in the tomb and it stinks. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And the man walks out. And later he says, i got to do this again about death, which is not the issue. It means that in in the human heart, God pronounces us alive and gives us his spirit. More than raising a hand, more than saying, okay, I believe from now on, it is understanding I'm nothing without God's help. At least when you're old enough to understand it, I should live my life with gratitude that God, who is rich in mercy, loves me so much that he (laughs) made me alive. 
Is that true in your life? Do you feel his life? You should. It's not just on paper. When we sing in Christ alone, cornerstone, weak made strong, all those songs, you should be able to sing it like, yeah, that's true. And when you sin, he quickens the conscience and, and you, we all know at the moment we sin if we're in... Yeah. So he made us alive. Here's how it happens. Jesus Christ died on the cross with all my sins on his back. When he died, he cries out, My God, why have you forsaken me? We celebrate a Good Friday, but we should every day. Preach the gospel to yourself every day, Augustine said. And it's because he took the sins when he was dying. God took the sins of Adam and Eve, Rahab, David, all those sins in the Old Testament that were left unpunished, they were covered over. Put your hand on the head of the lamb, son. Put your hand on Well, I did. It covers our sins. The lamb covers our sins. I don't quite understand it. Now he takes all those sins that were covered and even forgiven, but he pays for them. Plus, he takes all the sins of Peter and Newt and you and everyone in the room, and he takes all of those and all the sins of the future still to come. And he takes all of those and puts them on Jesus Christ. Somehow he could do it. Romans calls him the, the head of the race, the new race. Adam was the head of the sinful race. Jesus Christ is the federal head, they say in theology class, of a new, whole new group who are made alive in Jesus Christ. Is that you? So he cries out, my God, and then he cries out, it is finished, it is paid for. Which means all of our sins were dealt with right there. The moment, here's my life, the moment I believe that and put my faith in him, invite him to be Lord and Savior, I begin living like this. Not like this anymore. Is that you? You can do a lot of nice things. You can be a part of the church. But when you understand his theology... He's quickened us. He's brought us together. It means he put life in us. That's his Holy Spirit. That's the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And like in marriage, now you live in combination. Not by yourself. The rest of life. Covered by his righteousness. Made perfect because he is perfect. Not worried about being punished for your sins because it is finished. That's what it means to be a Christian, not to say, yep, Jesus was the Son of God. Yep, I always believe that, always believe that. To live like this, understanding with gratitude what he's done for our lives. By grace, he introduces this next part. By grace, you have been saved. And he's going to explain this in a moment. So what he's saying for our lives is just so important for us to get. Let's do this. And the next slide is the reminder that it's all based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's as sure as that. That's the point. He quickens us. He makes it sure just as he made the resurrection of Jesus Christ sure in our lives. You rest in this. Now he's going to show you why it happened, so be ready. What he's going to do is show us that his design over all the world, it's so gorgeous, 
also is the same person, is the same design for our future. Look at it. Verse 6. And you've raised, you've been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Whoa. Here's Paul's most profound statement of the future. When I was in 10th grade, I was trying to witness. Big high school. Wrote a paper in 10th grade. I'll never forget. English teacher. I wrote a paper on heaven. And I I tried to make it really popular, but I described heaven as in Revelation. She brought me up in front of the class and she said, Newt. She made fun of me. And she said, streets of gold... I mean, who wants streets of gold? I would rather have blacktop streets. And she went on with a couple of the other things. I didn't know what to say. I, I kind of s- just stood there. I think about it now. I think maybe they're gold because everything in heaven is so perfect and so valuable, he doesn't even know how to describe it. How would you describe perfect street, gold streets? gold to throw around I don't know where Miss Ritter is now but I know this this is how Paul describes heaven and he says about our futures <laughs> if we're in Christ raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places so that in coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace you think a sunset is beautiful where do you see this you think a baby that's born is a miracle where do you see our glorified bodies, all of us. Babies too. You think it's something how he's made those pictures I showed or the beautiful design outside right now or the mums that are so yellow and so gorgeous. Where do you see this? It's immeasurable. You can't describe it. You've tried to describe a a horse running in the meadow to some... Well, how do you describe a sunset or the sunrise or the glory of a new baby? I don't know, but this is immeasurable too. And in fact, he says it's so sure, you know this is true. In Romans it says, we died with Jesus Christ. Huh? That means in God's mind, if you're a Christian, your death counted with him when he died. You died to sin. Let God be God. That's what he says. You were raised up when Jesus Christ was risen the third day. That's the day you defeated death. So don't be despondent that you're going to die or that loved ones have. Not only that, he's he's getting this from God. You're already seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You're so linked to Jesus Christ in God's mind. This is how real it is. That you're actually seated in the heavenly places. It's sure. So he's telling Christians, I think, in between the lines, don't go around stuttering or saying, I hope so, I'm a failure sometimes, or I messed up today. Yes, we all did. But in God's mind, if we're in Jesus Christ, we died with Christ, we arose with Christ, we're seated in the heavenlies with Christ, and when he comes back, we'll be with him forever. That's what he's saying to me. 
So rest in Christ. Hebrews chapter 4, he that rests in Christ has ceased from all his labor to get to heaven. You don't do anything to try to impress God. Impress God. You're linked with his son. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. He made you alive by his spirit coming in you. And it's already settled with him. I don't know. It's not far away in his mind. A day's with a thousand years. A thousand years like a day. But it's that sure. We ought to be people who live with that confidence and that joy. One time, Paul used this same word when he said, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. How do you explain this? And sometimes you explain it to somebody who's dead to this stuff, and he says, yeah, that's nice. That's nice for you. It's nice for you. Whatever's truth for you, one lady told me, that's truth. That's fine. It's not for me. No, you're dead. This is the savior of the world. This is the head of the human race, the new human race, better than Adam's human race, because it's dead. It fell. This is those who follow Jesus Christ. Is that you? This is not religion. This is not, yep, yep, I like that. I believe that. And then maybe come back some other Sunday. This is living life with this. That's our future. And then he adds, how, verse 8. He says in verse 8, which is so clear for our lives, our salvation. And Many of you grew up with this verse. I did too. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not of the result of works so that no one may boast. We can be proud we go to church. We can be glad we don't sin like some people, whatever that means. What he's saying is not of works. Well, is it a work to... Raise your hand. No, raising your hand doesn't have anything to do with it. It might be a signal. Is it a work to believe? No. Belief is a gift of grace. Do you have to... Who, which comes first, R.C. Sproul? Which comes first? The, the Spirit of God changes your life so you can believe, or you believe first and your life is changed? Let's don't argue about that. Which come first when that beautiful mum was planted? There's not a soul in the room who would take credit for their flowers without God. Yes, but God gives the flowers. Yes, you planted the seed. Yes, you took the weeds out. Yes, you believed. Yes, you said, I want to change my life. I need your help, God. Yes, but it's, by salva- it's a salvation that is by faith, belief in, not by any work that I did or you did. Or the first thing we do is say, you know what I did? I came to Jesus you would boast, I would boast. Instead, the church is to be so clearly concerned about gratitude and sharing this wonderful message of love that we do it with kindness and love. In fact, in the next verse, he says it, our purpose now. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared forehand that we should walk in them. This was all God. You got the theology down? Yeah, we, were, we couldn't even raise our hand. It was asleep. 
Spiritually, we couldn't do anything to get to God. He chased you. He's the hound of heaven. I don't know how it happened, and it really doesn't matter in some ways because it was all God's grace. There should be no pride. In fact, all we can do for people who are dead is love them to death. Love them and pray for them because something will nudge them. Your life, your... Well, this verse says we are his poem, his workmanship. Poema means poem, his song. You are God's written song or poem to show that life rhymes when you follow Jesus Christ. You are God's flower, so that someone at least looks at you and says, you know what, he loves. He tries to bring racial reconciliation. He doesn't make dirty jokes, but he also always is serving and helping. It looks like he, they wouldn't say this, it looks like he lives, she lives in combination with God's grace. Is that you? That's what he wants. That's what Ephesians is about. It's a whole new way of life. Through Jesus Christ. Now there's all kinds of poems. There's the kind you could memorize when you're little. And God is great and God is good. And so we thank him for our food. I always said food and my mother didn't, didn't like it. I said it rhymes with good. And there's beautiful long free verse. And there's people that are able to do this, people that are able to do this, and people that all of us are called to his kindness. But we are his poem, his creation, his workmanship. It's, a, it's, it's like a, some of you are so good with your hands and you make a cabinet. You are God's cabinet. People should be able to look at your life as a husband, as a single, as a kid, and say, yep, it looks like there's something different. And you hear that all the time about other people. We are his poem. Jesus said, looking at his disciples in the eye and also some people that weren't into what he was teaching, he said, let your light so shine before men. Let your life, your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven to the praise of his glory. One guy who was dying, I read about him in a book on Ephesians. And uh, one of his friends said, I even had his name, he's an old church leader. You're going to your just reward. He said, no, no, I don't want my just reward. I want mercy. And that's what we all have in Jesus Christ. So the church gets together on Sundays to celebrate to thank him, to teach others, to give money so that other people dead in their sins around the world and around Bath and around Akron and around all of our lives can by word of mouth, by our lives, by some ministry, by seeing people help the poor, by seeing somebody do something to love Akron or love Bath, wherever you live, so that It is to the praise of God's glory. We gossip to point to ourselves like we have the right answer. We're better than that guy. We hate because we want to be the big deal and we want to look down on somebody so we can hate them. We get even because it's in our nature. We're going back to our original cravings. 
<laughs> you were dead. That's the way you used to live. Now, he says, by God's grace and his rescue of you, he has brought you to be his workmanship. We don't look the same. We don't talk the same. We don't act the same. But God works in us his love, his joy, his peace, his gracious spirit, so that stumbling as we still are until the day when the immeasurable riches await us, we live like this, and when we fail, we get up again and live like this. Is that you? Can be. And I would say some of it starts when we get a correct understanding of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. It does not mean I tried service clubs and I tried this and that and I need Jesus because i got to quit my habits. It means I understand that the creator of the universe loves me so much that he's writing a story in my life and he brings me by his work of grace to Jesus Christ to live a new way. I am so grateful. It's, I didn't do anything for this. It, okay, I had faith. Yes, I had faith in Jesus Christ and put my trust in him. I believe in who he is and what he did. And he came into my life. Quickened, well, you know, made me alive and God's working in me until that great day. Let us live that way with gratitude. Let us explain salvation in simpler words but say it's a gift of God. No, no bragging. It's a gift of a holy God who loves us so much. Will you do that? If you're not there, could you say, you know what, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ and who he is, not in my religion, into who he is. Not long after this, Paul would die, and in his last letter he wrote, you know what, I finished the faith. I've run my course. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. And he just meant, I kept believing it was all his grace, and I lived that way. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the gift of Jesus Christ, indescribable gift. And we give thanks right now as a church and as individuals for the plan that's for President Putin, President Obama, the guy next door where we live, every person in this room. Thank you for Jesus Christ, Lord of all creation. As you pray in a moment of silence, not out loud, would you just thank God? If he has already made you alive, you're united with Christ, stop worrying about that. If you're in Christ, in God's mind, you're already there, but now live with gratitude. If you're not sure or you've been banking on the church to get you there or, or, or living a better life, come on. By his work of grace, we find salvation in Jesus Christ. If you're not sure what you're to believe, ask someone today or ask God to help you know what this really means or if we're just making it up. Lord, thank you for this great theologian who had been through hell and high water and yet could say, we are his workmanship. 
Help us live that way too, please. In Jesus' name, the one who walked on water and raised the dead and changed lives and helped Paul even make it to the guillotine. Help us serve you. Amen. Let's sing this song in response. Would you say it in response? God will hear you. And it's a simple word, amazing grace. And uh, if you're not sure of this, ask God as you look at this. It's a gift. Please, amazing grace from God. Let's stand as we sing.